I always kind of felt confused about where my place was because I was supposed to have it all together. I think the beauty of being a child is you just don't let the negative stuff seep in all the Genetics isn't always black and white, and the emotions and decisions surrounding genetic testing can be even more complex. Welcome to Patient Stories with Gray Genetics. I'm Eleanor Griffith, a certified genetic counselor and the founder of Gray Genetics, a telehealth genetic counseling and consulting service. It seems like there are constantly headlines in the news about genetics, but few news stories focus on the patient experience. At Gray Genetics, we are collecting patient stories, your stories. Every other Tuesday, we share an interview with a patient or a genetic counselor. It's about two to four years till it stops being on your mind every single day, 24 hours a day, the second you wake up. It didn't even matter so much about the particulars of the scenario, but just knowing that someone else's parent had died or knowing someone else's parent had an illness was really therapeutic. It, it takes a lot to wake up every day and, you know, convince yourself that you're going to be okay by yourself. Chelsea London Lloyd is an actress and comedian living in LA. She holds a BA in theater from USC. Growing up, her dad had ALS and her mom had breast cancer. Her mother's breast cancer returned 17 years later at stage four, which she has combated for the past three years. Chelsea interviews women with sick parents and features their stories on her blog, Daughters of Sick Parents. Next up is her podcast, Dying of Laughter, where she speaks with comedians who have lost a parent. Email dyingoflaughter at gmail.com to be the first to know when it's released this fall. Chelsea, thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast and share your story with me. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I first came across uh, your Instagram handle, which is Chelsea Who Else, um, where some of your posts, but not all of your posts, are related to breast cancer awareness. And it's kind of, kind of, uh, uh, kind of interspersed with all of your other interests and activities. How how did you, why is there this, um, where does this interest in breast cancer awareness come from? And how did you decide that you wanted that to be part of your social media presence? Um, well, my mom has breast cancer. So that's the initial interest in wanting to talk more about it. I definitely wasn't sure how I wanted it to play into everything at first, which I think is a good example of just following your instinct about what you want to do and, and see what comes from there. Like so many people, you know, have such a clear, perfect plan before they're launching a product or a blog or a small business. And don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, that's very important. Of course, you want to have a plan in place. But on the flip side, I, I knew I wanted to blog about this. I knew my mom had breast cancer, but I didn't really know how to start or when to start or what the best way to do it was. So I just started. I created a site and I just started putting out blog posts about what it's like living with... I started putting out blog posts about what it's like to be the daughter of someone living with breast cancer. And I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe this can be relatable to other people. And I do have an Instagram account dedicated just to that, where I, I talk specifically about breast cancer and what it's like to know someone with it and be their daughter and all of that. But then my own account as an actress, I don't have a huge following, but I have this group of people who is, you know, engaging. And I thought, well, this is kind of silly that I'm keeping it separate. 
but will anyone in the acting community care? You know, the some people, you know, really think Hollywood's cool and they don't really want to find out about other things. But I just started peppering in the breast cancer stuff and I think it was the right thing to do. And now I have those two accounts and that's where we're at today. Cool. And what what sort of reactions did you did you get when you started including some information related to breast cancer when I, I think before it'd probably been mostly related to to acting? Yeah. I mean I I got really positive reactions, you know? I mean people I think respond to authenticity and people respond to the human experience and tragedy and scarcity and fear and all of that stuff. Not that I want it to to just be those things or be negative, but people in general were like, oh, wow, I didn't know you were going through this. Thank you so much for sharing. So I really admire those who are willing to come forward with their stories. And I know that it's not for everyone. So some people choose to be more private and that's okay. And hey, maybe some of those people would like to listen to podcasts or, you know, hear about other people's things via Instagram or blogs and not share themselves. And that's also great. But in general, people responded very well. And I'm glad that I just started, even though I felt awkward doing it. And I'm glad that I've continued to do so. So hopefully more of that to all come for years down the line. Yeah. And your so your mother was diagnosed with breast cancer first um, when she was 42 and then more recently with metastatic breast cancer. How old were you when she was diagnosed with breast cancer the first time? So that was when I was in third grade. So I was must have been seven or eight the first time she was diagnosed. And then the second time she was diagnosed, I was 25. Okay. And what do you remember from when she was diagnosed the first time? You were so, so young. I remember her being bald. I remember that was very awkward for me. And it's so funny to try and think back what you felt like a child. Yeah, I just remember thinking that was weird. I thought that was not normal. I thought that was disgusting. I thought that was a a strange choice to have made as a female. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, that was not her choice, which I'm sure she told me. But when you're a kid, you just... You just don't really understand what's going on. And I remember my younger sister was really particularly disturbed by the baldness. So I tried to take on the position of, oh, okay, you know, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to freak out. But inside I was like, this is this is so weird. But my sister who was younger, she was must have been six. She would cry every time she saw my mom bald who then realized, okay, well, this is upsetting my daughters and decided to get a wig and hats and all of that stuff. Yeah. Did you, were you, were you aware that she had cancer or at least that she was sick? I knew that she was sick, but I, it's, I don't even know if I knew that it was cancer. I know she told me, but it was just not something that was discussed all the time. And I think the beauty of being a child is you just don't let the negative stuff seep in all the time. So I remember thinking about it sometimes, but then sometimes life was great and it was all good, even though she had breast cancer. And I think part of that is her trying to protect us. But part of that is just the innocence of childhood and not letting negative stuff get you down. Whereas as we all know, then we can become adults and we tend to think about negative stuff much more often. So yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, and she was stage three at that point. Was there a point where, I mean, now that you, you're older, that you, um, that she thought that, um, that her breast cancer was serious enough that she might not survive? Um, and maybe something that, of course, you as a child didn't appreciate, but that she was thinking about at the time? Or have you talked with her about that? Oh, yeah, I'm sure she thought that she definitely was afraid for her life. Not that everyone, you know, needs to be fearful because of a diagnosis necessarily. But, you know, we're only human. I even though I've witnessed it, I still can't imagine what it would be like myself to get that news, which I do think about. Um, But yeah, she was definitely afraid she wouldn't make it and having kids is horrible. And my dad had ALS. So he had Lou Gehrig's disease, which some people might know from the ice bucket challenge. So ironically, his illness was actually even more. I mean, I, I hate to compare the two, but his was fatal. So that was more upsetting in some ways. But I mean, they're both just so upset and you really can't compare. It's apples and oranges. But in general, I'm sure they were both very afraid of what would happen to us. But luckily, yeah, here we are today. (laughs) How old was your dad and how old were you when your dad died from Lou Gehrig disease? So if he were alive today, he would have been 75. So and if he died when I was 19, oh, gosh, this is a lot of math. Okay, I'm 27. He died when I was 19. So that was eight years ago. So 75 minus eight means he was 67 when he died. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, um, it, you know, it's not that many people who have a, have a parent who dies when they're at a young age, much less someone who's had, um, both parents go through, go through really serious illnesses when they're still, when they're still under the age of 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, under the age of 10 really was the first time that they were both going through it. But fortunately, you know, thank goodness that my mom was okay the first time. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't know what I believe in. And this is something I struggled with a lot. You know, does everything happen for a reason? Is the universe or God or something else controlling our destiny? Is it nature versus nurture? What does that all mean? I don't have one singular answer about that. But I do know that I'm grateful that she was okay the first time around. But I have so much respect for I mean, for anyone who's going through an illness, for family members of anyone who's dealing with any of this stuff, anyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure I have deep respect for them, for you, if you're listening, and I don't even know you. But thinking about my mom's journey really fascinates me because here she was with a husband with a diagnosis of a fatal illness that is guaranteed to not survive, unfortunately. And then you have a diagnosis, which also is a tremendous undertaking, as you know, of appointments and, you know, counseling and things that you need to do and chemo. But then you know that you're more likely to live than him. So you have to be strong for everyone. I mean, I just think her resilience is amazing. I think her story is particularly fascinating, just knowing it was technically less of a big deal than your husband's. And then how does that play into things? And how do you see yourself? And I don't know. I think some actress out there should play her in a film about what that would be like. I think it'd be interesting. I should probably write it. Now I have anxiety that I haven't written it already. 
I was I was going to say it's like seeing as you are an actress, um, <laughs> you could potentially play play your mother. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so intense! Wow, I'm I'm actually you know my current project that I've been dedicating the past year of my life to is I'm writing a feature film about a girl in college who has breast cancer actually to reach a younger demographic because I want there to be more discussions you know, just like the people that I'm targeting with my blog, just having more discussions about illness and death and taboo topics on a younger playing field. So that's the first thing I hope to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. How did you, how did you think of that? You were just thinking like breast cancer happens to young women and we never see it in in movies. Pretty much. And yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, and even if, God forbid, by the time this film's made, if other films do come out before then, you know, of something similar, then great. You know, we're so far behind in talking about that. I'm like, the more the better. I mean, through my blog, I'm interviewing girls who have lost a parent, but now it's branching out to, you know, different months. I focus on different things and just through the community I've certainly met younger women and teenagers and girls in their 20s and 30s who have breast cancer and other illnesses and then their stories really interested me too because I was like wow even though I went through all this I couldn't even imagine if it was me so I think all all kinds of stories are important to share you know what's it like being a young person with an illness but also what's it like being the sibling of a young person with an illness or the mom of a young person with an illness or the daughter of someone whose parent is dying all of those things really matter to me and really are of interest because the whole family unit plays such a particular role in each person's life. And yeah, a girl I know whose, you know, sister had cancer. I'm like, wow, what was that like growing up? You know, because then you're put to the side, the the sister with the illness gets more of the attention, understandably, in a lot of ways, that's necessary. But then who is that? Who's the sister? And what's she doing? And I always kind of felt confused about where my place was, because I was supposed to have it all together. I mean, my life still to this day, I mean, I can say it was a good life. You know, we had a playground and at school and life was safe and things were good and grades were good and it's all good. But, you know, I think back to the emotional things that I felt and psychological things I went through that weren't so good. And I just find it fascinating how you can tackle all of that as a parent. So you started um, daughtersofsickparents.com, and that's what you're referencing, where you're interviewing other other young women who've also had the similar experience of having sick parents. Is that right? Yes. So how did how did you think of doing that? Well, probably similar to you know even what you're doing here. You're interviewing other people and patient stories. I love your podcast and what you're doing. I think it just it, it's so nice to have a collection of stories in one place about something similar and about struggles that people are going through. And I mean, specifically when my mom was diagnosed for the second time, you know, it just was an epiphany for me. It was just a natural transition. I was like, wow, I already witnessed one parent have an illness for 15 years. And I finally felt like I was in the clear and not thinking about that anymore. It was interesting because he died when I was 19. And, you know, they say it takes you know, about two to four years for someone in the immediate family member to finally 
move forward. And and that said, like, you know, you, you never fully move forward or forget, but they just say it's about two to four years till it stops being on your mind every single day, 24 hours a day, the second you wake up. Where it's kind of crippling and hard to lead your own normal life. Right. Um, and I'm sure that's different for, for everyone. Some people, it might be less than that. And some people might be more than that. You know, I can't even remember wh- where I'm citing that from. But I know that that was told to me, you know, it's expect, you know, two to four years. So I think mine was about three, I would say my whole college experience was really shadowed by that. And I felt like I had a dark cloud hanging over for me throughout college, um, because of that. And then a few years went by when I felt like I was getting the swing of things and, you know, started to work professionally and started to get my footing and what I wanted to be doing. Kind of, I mean, life's still, you know, it's never perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I was doing this show for a year as a digital talent host. And I had this really cool experience there that I was doing for a year and then it ended and that was sad and then my mom got diagnosed and it was weird and and like everything was just not not feeling great and I think as human beings when we're in these spots of things aren't going well you know you just you're like I can't take it anymore I have to do something and I just thought well when I found out it was stage four and that she wasn't going to necessarily combat this illness. I was just inspired to start it because I was like, well, unfortunately, I I feel like I'm kind of an expert in this field of thinking about parents and how they're doing and their health and all that stuff. So why not start talking about it? And so in high school, something that just really helped me was hearing about other people whose parent also had an illness or about a parent who also had died. And interestingly, it didn't even matter so much about the particulars of the scenario, but just knowing that someone else's parent had died or knowing someone else's parent had an illness was really therapeutic for me just to know that it existed. Because when you're a young person, you know, you just don't have an idea of how big the world is and you don't feel like anyone understands what you're going through. And just to know that it existed for other people was a huge relief. That said, it didn't happen very often because it's not super common. I mean, it's more common than we'd think, but it's not like everyone in your class has that, right? And then not everyone's comfortable sharing or talking about it. So when you do actually connect with someone and that they're willing and able to talk about it, it just kind of is rare at that age. But I thought, well, a blog would be cool because you don't have to talk about it face to face and doesn't have to be awkward. You can just read the stories. And that way, if there's people out there who don't really want to have the conversation, that they just want to know that it exists and they can just they can just look it up. So that's what I started doing. We'll be back with patient stories in just a minute. How well do you know your family medical history? Have you ever wondered how that might impact your personal health risks or if you'd be a good candidate for genetic testing? Our Family History Review allows you to upload your family history and a certified genetic counselor will evaluate it. They will also provide you with a personalized risk assessment and even recommend to you what your next steps could be. Check out this service and more on graygenetics.com. That's G-R-E-Y genetics.com. You mentioned before, like you have so much respect for people who've, you know, gone through cancer or different diseases and illnesses or have had 
you know, a, a parent or have taken care of someone who's gone through that? Like how, how has it been watching your, your mother go through um, this metastatic breast cancer diagnosis now as an adult? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's not, it's not particularly fun. <laughs> um, I, I mean, she's just such a strong woman though. I feel really fortunate to be you know, her daughter, she just, she just has such a good attitude about things. I mean, she really plays to the positive. She doesn't feel like, oh, poor me, my life is over. You know, she's really living her life to the fullest and that's just incredible. But there are days and there are conversations that we have that, you know, I feel like, oh my gosh, I feel too young to be having this conversation. But then sometimes I don't because I've already had them before with my dad but I feel bad for her. You know, I, I don't wish this on anyone. I mean, she's still, even though she's a great attitude and she's up and around, I mean, she still has to live with this. And I just can't imagine waking up every day and having to remember that. But I mean, when she was first diagnosed, you know, she was like bedridden for a few weeks, which I think partially was just from the shock of it. And you find this out and you're just, your body's just, you can't like handle it and you just whatever like needs to relax so I flew home and I would help her you know out with food and getting around and everything and she did not look good and I was like oh my gosh is this gonna be her life and that was horrible I was just devastated I was I was not in a good place but then after a few months she was up and around and she was great and she looks great and every you know so I think it was just kind of the initial shock that had gotten to her at that point and also she wasn't on medication because she didn't know she had cancer and so now she's on some kind of oral chemo and of course knowing me I don't know what it's called um, but she doesn't have to get regular chemo which is ironically a blessing because she can have she can be up and around and doesn't have to deal with all the horrible things that happen with chemo but it's also a curse because she's not really a candidate for chemo because they're not planning on getting rid of all the cancer, which is very confusing to explain to other people, you know, people in their twenties and my age, they just don't really get that. They're like, great. She's not in chemo. Awesome. That's such good news. And you're like, actually, yes, but no. So it's quite confusing, but I'm glad it is not in a worse stage at this time. She is doing quite well. She looks fantastic and she's up and around, you know, so that's good. Yeah. Is it, is it scary to think about um, losing her at some point? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the worst possible um, thought that you can have. And, you know, it's inevitable for that to happen, but it's also inevitable for it to happen with everyone. And, I don't, I don't really know why I bring that up, but it's just, that's something that helps me. It's like, okay, well, unfortunately that's, you know, like how the cards are going to be dealt here, but everyone's going to lose their parent, hopefully, because that means that they're outliving their parent, which is what you want to happen. Mm-hmm. Will mine be sooner than other people's yeah I mean most likely based on statistics but it's kind of like a weird thing where you can't think about it but you do I mean yeah it's gonna be it won't be good but my goal right now on the planet is to just focus 
on the positive and spend as much time. And, you know, we just, we act normal most of the time because it's pretty normal. I mean, you would not even know that she has it looking at her or talking to her. She looks fantastic. And I don't know if that's sad because it's like, oh, it's being disguised. But I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think it's good to just play to the positive and try and live every moment like through last and take advantage of the time that you have. You know, I encouraged her to go on a trip I was like you should travel you know and so she went to Europe by herself on well she did a tour group so she could meet other people but she really Mm -hmm. liked doing that um but you know she's in her 60s and she's retired and she lost her husband and her kids are out of the house I'm like and you have stage four cancer I was like home girl you are the perfect candidate to (laughs) go to Europe like seriously what are you doing From your own experience and also from your interviews with daughters of sick parents, Mm -hmm. what, um, what do you wish people knew about being the daughter of a sick parent? I wish people knew that it, it takes a lot to wake up every day and, you know, convince yourself that you're going to be okay by yourself when you're younger than you would want to be to think about that so I just wish you know there's just maybe some more compassion around Mm -hmm. that experience and I wish it was less taboo to have honest conversations about death and illness in general yeah I just wish it was more normalized which is why I do what I do and why I talk about it because it But actually, I've noticed over the years, it makes other people feel more comfortable talking to me, certainly about my mom, but also about their own illnesses or deaths or, and and that, I mean, that makes me feel really good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone about what they're going through. I'm not like the perfect person always to do so, but I think the fact that I'm willing and able to listen and sit there and have a conversation is, is certainly a start. And you just forget that not everyone has that. And to some people, it's actually really awkward to talk about it with their immediate circle of friends and family. I think there's something to be said about someone one step removed, AKA me, if they know me a little bit less or they know me from something else. So I think me putting that out there has opened that door for other people, or maybe it's helped them open a door to talk with someone else in their life about it I don't know you know but I have some girls that will text me and oh I found you know this lump in my breast what should I do and or like I'll help them connect with other resources or their insurance to get tested and or or you know some people that don't have insurance Planned Parenthood can do breast cancer um, or excuse me not breast cancer tests but they can do a self-check exam and if they find something, you have to go to the next step, but at least they can identify if they think there's something in there. So just being able to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. And people can find, if people are interested in looking at the interviews you've done with Daughters of Sick Parents, also also known, like the group is known as Sick Chicks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a few different aspects of it. But yeah, if you, if daughtersofsickparents.com is the website and at Daughters of Sick Parents on Instagram, and there's also a Facebook page, so. Great, this is awesome. And we'll include all of those links in the show notes. If you'd like to share your story, send an email to podcast at greatgenetics.com.
Patient Stories is an ad-free podcast and is unaffiliated with any commercial genetic testing laboratories. We would like to keep it that way. You can now donate to Patient Stories online by going to graygenetics.com slash podcast slash donate. If you don't want to make a monetary donation but still want to support the show in another way, leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our episodes through social media also makes a big difference. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute medical advice and is also not a substitute for genetic counseling. Neither Gray Genetics nor any of its guests makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast. Evaluation of an individual's personal and family health history is a crucial part of genetic counseling and any recommendations.